Hello and welcome to Scale by Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. Scale is where we explore how businesses are driving growth through customer relationships. Today, we're talking to Adam Markowitz. Adam is co-founder and CEO of Drata, a security and compliance automation platform on a mission to help build trust across the internet. Before that, Adam was founder and CEO of Portfolium, a social networking platform company that allows university students and recent graduates to connect with businesses and employers. And before that, he was a rocket scientist at NASA. No, really, he was. In this episode, we're chatting about security. Adam takes us through the blind spots rampant in corporate security systems, why startups should prioritize compliance, and why security risks should concern scale-ups as much as big tech. And we might even talk a little bit about his days at NASA too. So let's blast off over to the studio to Adam Markowitz. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So first off, congratulations are in order. Drata recently raised $100 million in venture capital funding, which I believe makes it San Diego's latest startup unicorn with a valuation of a billion dollars. How does that feel? Uh, thank you. No, it feels a bit surreal still, mainly due to just <laughs> you know, how quickly the company has gone from seed to series B, all in a 12-month span. But it, but it feels great and uh, super rewarding. Uh, to hit the milestone and doing it here in San Diego. You know, our prior company was was founded here in San Diego almost 10 years ago. It was, the, it was a very different tech ecosystem back then. So to see it evolve and have been a part of it this whole time is is super rewarding. Oh, and also, I mean, just the fact that Drata itself was born right in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, we, wow. we felt fortunate to even, you know, be in a position to start the company when we did. And and that appreciation has just fueled this this really unprecedented year. What, what was that like? Uh, well, it was... Again, uh, just being in a position where we felt even comfortable to do it, that, that wasn't lost on us with what was going on in the world. But on day one, there was quite a few of us all coming off of that previous company. Um, so it all worked together for so long that it was kind of a, a nice, unfair advantage that we had. Just, <laughs> you know, no ramp period, no get to know each other period. It was yeah. just go, go, go. <laughs> so I suppose just to start off, what does Drata do for people who don't know? Sure. Yeah. So Drata helps companies put security and compliance on autopilot, as we call it, by automating the monitoring and evidence collection of their security controls. So streamlining audits like SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and others. And it really allows companies to to prove their real-time security posture just about any day of the year. Um, So it accelerates their sales cycles, security reviews, of course, makes audits go faster and cost less. And then it allows companies to be more enterprise ready. Uh, with this new automation first approach. And so the whole area is a new space. Uh, like, what's it like to be navigating it at the minute? Yeah, the space itself is new, uh, but it's one that's been just kind of hypothesized for some time. The promise, mm. right, of continuous compliance um, has been floating around for for years. And so now to be delivering on that promise, it's super exciting and, of course, challenging, as it should be. You know, I, <laughs> I personally love being early and and using the opportunity to set the bar really, really high expectations-wise, right, in the market and just continuing to push it higher with the, the team that's relentlessly focused on doing so. <laughs> you didn't start out in security, though. Am I right in saying you're a former rocket scientist? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The curse of being called a rocket scientist is uh, 
the bar is then immediately raised for anything and everything <laughs> you do in life. <laughs> so, so the car won't start. It's immediately, oh, well, fix it. It's not rocket science or anything. <laughs> what was that like? Like, and, and how did you make the transition, I suppose, to compliance tech? Yeah. Um, so so started my career as an engineer on the space shuttle program, uh, specifically the MCC team. It's the, the main combustion chamber team. Oh, and, wow. uh you know, the last shuttle launch was over a decade ago. So some folks out there might not remember <laughs> seeing a shuttle launch, but if you do, you know, you see the rocket on the pad there, you got the two rocket boosters and then there's this giant orange tank and that's the fuel tank feeding these three main engines. That's, that's what I worked on coming out of undergrad in 08. Yeah. This, the best way to describe how a rocket engine works is just a controlled explosion. So an engineering dream slash nightmare, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> uh, what does it feel like when you're actually watching the launch? Like, are you tense? Are you kind of excited? It is, yeah. It, it, tense, <laughs> a tense excitement is a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> I mean, everybody loved what we were doing, right? I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut since I was a little kid. And to have real live astronauts walking through the <laughs> office, you know, thanking the engineers for helping them get home safe. I mean, that's, especially as your first job coming out of undergrad. Yeah. I mean, that was, Absolutely incredible. Sorry, you were, I kind of interrupted you there, but you were kind of telling me how, how you kind of, you know, made this transition, how, how you got from, you know, that to this. Yeah, yeah. The experience did come to an end in 2011 where the shuttle program was retired and I made the jump from the aerospace to entrepreneurship. I took the plunge, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I learned to code and, and built an MVP of what I was calling a portfolio, which was a, a LinkedIn-like e-portfolio network for students. And the idea came, it's how I actually landed that job working on the space shuttle program, I, I brought a portfolio into my job interviews to help me stand out and improve my skill beyond just GPA. And so I wanted to do that for, for students everywhere and, and help them land their dream jobs based on just their proven skills. Like I'm a big believer in earning trust by first proving you deserve it. In this case, you know, evidence of skills lived in these e-portfolios, which was then rich with data that we could use to match students with employers in a more meaningful way. So we grew the company and the network of millions of students. And we did it by selling a learning assessment module into colleges, mm -hmm. universities. And that's when we quickly learned the importance of proving our security posture, right? Because before a university would sign with us and provide sensitive student information, they needed assurance of our security posture. Right. And yeah, that, that gold standard for proving that was and still is a SOC 2 report. So you kind of see this theme here, like yeah. <laughs> trust and... Yeah. Earning trust with proof. So in order to help students earn the trust of employers and prove by proving their skills, these e-portfolios, we had to first prove our security posture to universities. And the evidence was the SOC 2 report. So portfolio was was acquired in February of 2019. And that's, you know, our team came back together last year in 2020 to build Drata, help companies stand up and maintain and prove their security and compliance posture with a, an automation first approach. So I suppose let's get into like SOC 2 compliance, which I know is a bit like saying, let's talk about taxes or let's talk about <laughs> invoicing. <laughs> but but it's so important. Can you give us an introduction to what SOC 2 compliance really is? Sure. Happy to. Yeah. So, so SOC 2 is a framework. It's created and maintained by the AICPA, which is the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. So auditors from CPA firms actually conduct SOC 2 audits. And the result of any SOC 2 audit is a SOC 2 report. So, so SOC 2 is not a pass-fail certification, which is really important and, and a common misconception, right? Like that SOC 2 report, it's, it's an attestation it's, and it's a trusted one because it's coming from this certified independent third-party auditor. And it's basically, it's attesting to the design and operating effectiveness of your company's security controls in order to meet 
requirements when it comes to protecting your customers' data. So in other words, like the SOC 2 report is a report detailing how well your company protects its customers' data. So if you sell software today, there's a 99.9% chance you're storing or processing data in the cloud. Uh, and because of that, it's just a matter of time before you're asked to provide a SOC 2 report to your customers or to your prospective customers as, as part of their security review process. And is it the standard for B2B companies? In many ways, yes. I mean, especially here in the US, partly because SOC 2 just broadly applies to any company that stores or mm. processes data in the cloud. And that's every company these days, uh, absolutely <laughs> all SaaS companies. So in a lot of ways, it's become the gold standard. Now, even more so like the minimum bar uh, to prove your security posture. We witnessed this you know, firsthand at, at Portfolio Selling into Universities. Over a very short period of time, those requests for a SOC 2 report quickly turned into demands for a SOC 2 report. And then it was just baked into every RFP we came across. So the shift to the cloud, just more and more data breaches, it really put a magnifying glass on third-party risk. And, and that drove a lot of what we're seeing here in, in SOC 2 going from this nice to have to a, a need to have. Yeah. Like, why is it so important for B2B companies to be SOC 2 compliant as they scale, you know, and, and does it affect them kind of attracting and retaining bigger customers? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if I'm about to do business with your company and in doing that business, your your software is going to access my customer's data, then it's, it's my responsibility to ensure you have the proper controls in place to protect the data. Mm. Um, so if you give me your word, that's great. But uh, the independent audit report is really going to carry the weight needed to assure me you have an adequate security program because it's going to come up my own audit, right? My auditors are going to want to make sure yeah. I got that assurance before providing you any data. Otherwise, I'm not following my own control. So there's a little bit of a waterfall effect here that happens. Like I've read a lot about difficulties in the past in startups becoming SOC 2 compliant, but like why was that and, and has that changed? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we experienced this firsthand. If you're, if you're not leveraging automation, I mean, Typically, companies spend hundreds of hours a year on compliance. And to help kind of explain why, just, just a little bit more on SOC 2, right? The framework itself is made up of five different trust service principles. Security, availability, confidentiality, privacy, and processing integrity. Security is by far the largest of the five. and Technically, the only one required for an audit and report. But you know, each of the five has their own criteria that your company needs to meet or satisfy by designing and then implementing controls across the company. And so a lot of times when I say that, people ask what I mean by control. And you, know, mm. you can think of a, a control as really like a policy, a process, a tool you put in place to help prevent a bad thing from happening or ensure a good thing happening. That's, that's how I always define it. Right. Um, and it, it spans every function across your company, like how you onboard, train, offboard employees, manage endpoints, encrypt backup data, uh, how you provision access and authenticate into apps, review code. I mean, go on and on, how you manage deployments. <laughs> And so, so companies have anywhere between like 100 and 200 controls in place going into a SOC 2 audit. And then the audit itself can take a long time because you, you have to basically prove to the auditor that these controls are, are there, they're, they're in place. And most importantly, they remained in place over an audit period. So it's yeah. not something you could just kind of cram for every, you know, every 11th month if you're on the 12th <laughs> month uh, <laughs> period. So um, again, if, if you're not using automation, that means teams across your company are, are being tasked with collecting evidence continuously, repeatedly, um, and then storing it for future audits. And then if they find gaps along the way, because gaps could form any any day of the year, I mean, they have to remediate. Right. And yeah, just a lot of people living in spreadsheets, shared folders, screenshots. Um, <laughs> and so it's it clearly very ripe for disruption. And that you know, came in the form mm. of automation. And, and that's really what's changed, right? Drata brings this automation first solution to save companies hundreds of hours a year and then uh, provide them these real-time readiness dashboards. So 
get audit ready quickly and then stay audit ready right every day of the year. And that like, I mean, it's that's so important because like you kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, for for customers, you know, it's such an important part of the trust between a company and its customers. You know, the, the organizations and startups need to prove, you know, that their data is secure. Exactly that. And, and that's the theme across, I mean, the last company as well, right? It's you could, you could take someone's word for it. You could read a bullet point on their resume, but we wanted to help people prove their skills. And similarly here, it's. You know, we, we want folks to be able to prove with evidence, and not just during audits, but any day of the year, exactly how their controls are operating. And that could be an internal report for their own team, for their board, for their own sanity, <laughs> but then <laughs> externally as well, right? I mean, that's, that's where we see the, the puck going. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that episode two of Offscript, our new series of candid conversations with Intercom, all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing, is out now on YouTube. Here's a teaser featuring our chief product officer, Paul Adams, discussing AI-first customer service. The best place for me to start is that technology only moves in one direction. Once you go through these like before-after moments, you never go back. AI has clearly already shown us that it can help in transformational ways. It has given us a new way to do customer service. And that new way is AI first. The business that provides incredible customer service is the business that will win. And the earlier that people lean into this completely new mindset, the earlier they can deliver this incredible holy grail type of customer experience. It's a huge opportunity for businesses to literally change how people think about them. It's just a matter of time. That's all to come on episode two of Offscript. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel right now, and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. How can companies go about creating a culture of cybersecurity in their organization? Because as we all know, like security is no longer just nice to have. Yeah. I think empowering individual employees is key, right? Like if, if employees really understand how important they are in protecting their company, it's something they can take pride in rather than just feeling like a checkbox type thing. Because I mean, yeah, nothing can be more true, right? Like it's amazing. Phishing attacks are still the just most common, overwhelmingly most common cause of data breaches in 2021. It's, it's something like 90%. I had to reread it just to make sure it wasn't a typo. So, you know, training your employees on how to spot these kinds of malicious emails and then testing them throughout the year. I mean, that's one example, right, of how you can empower employees to really take ownership of their security and, and the company's going to have a stronger security posture because of it. So I think that's key. I think maybe most important is, is doing it early. If you mm. bake it in from day one or as close to day one as possible, it just becomes second nature. It's, it's not something new and different later on when there's just a lot more inertia or like resistance to change. That's why I was having this conversation the other day and it might not be the best analogy, but I mean, there was an entire generation that grew up driving in cars without seatbelts. Right? right? And then like right. in the 50s, I think it was the 50s, yeah, they, they introduced this new thing and there was like resistance. But today, having grown up myself from day one, <laughs> I don't even think about it when I get in the car, right? The seatbelt goes on and it's like breathing. I just don't think about it. So yeah. the, the earlier controls are put in place <laughs> at your company, just the sooner it becomes part of the foundation, just second nature for your employees. I think that's that's also key. So what do people need to know, you know, or if your business is asked for a SOC 2 report? I guess the, the first thing, know that's a good thing, right? Whoever's asking is seriously considering doing business with your company and, <laughs> and now needs to yeah, make sure you're, you're doing the right things to protect their, their data. 
I think second, maybe, uh, if this is the first time you're being asked for a SOC 2 report, I can promise it won't be the last, nor should it. So if you don't have a SOC 2 report, it's definitely time to get started. And again, the sooner you do it, the faster it will be, the cheaper it will be, and the easier it will be to maintain going forward. So all, all that, of course, to say leverage automation to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and SOC 2 is like, it's, it's not a certifi- certification, am I right? Right, exactly. It's an attestation. Okay. Yeah. So, and there are two different types, type one and two, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, to make it extra confusing, there's, there's yes. <laughs> something like SOC 1 and then SOC 2. And so I think you're asking like SOC 2 type 1 versus SOC 2 type 2, which is a great question, really common and, and one that you know, prospects ask us all the time. So, so, so they're both the same in terms of the, the framework itself. It's, it's SOC 2. The difference is, so SOC 2 type 1 audit and report is looking at the design of your controls at a very specific point in time. Are you compliant today? <laughs> Where a SOC 2 type 2, is, it's also looking at the design of your controls, but it's also looking at the operating effectiveness of those controls over a period of time. Usually usually 12 months, but you could do them over a shorter period if you're in a rush for that first one. So just based on that, you can imagine, right, the, the SOC 2 type 2 is, is definitely a higher bar. It, it takes longer. It's, it's usually more expensive. It's, a, it's just done over a period of time. Mm. And then you could do a type 1 on your way to a type 2. We see customers doing this when... You know, they need to report as soon as possible. And a type one is definitely better than having no report at all. And you're not losing any time or work because, again, they're the same framework. So you're basically getting all of your controls implemented, doing the type one audit, and essentially at the same time starting your four to 12-month period for the type two. In fact, some of the audit firms we partner with even bundle their pricing for a type one and type two. Huh. And that makes it more cost-effective in that very specific scenario. But again, you can just go straight for the type two since that's the gold standard. Going back to kind of fishing and and some of the other things we were talking about, but I was just reading Statista, uh, according to Statista, the monetary damage caused by reported cybercrime was $4.2 billion in 2020, four times as much as 2015. Yeah, it's crazy. So like, what are the blind spots that are kind of like rampant in corporate security systems? Yeah, it's a good question. There's more data in the cloud to expose today than ever before, right? It's just growing exponentially. So I think what actually might surprise folks is so much of it is still the same old tricks that are just working. Phishing attacks, like I said, phishing attacks are still 90%, the cause of 90% of data breaches in 2021. So I mean, most security awareness training providers out there have modules and courses on, on how to spot phishing emails, what to do, what not to do when you get them. And it is a common control that any company going through SOC 2 would need to have in place security awareness training. We use a great tool. Uh, Drata integrates with it. It's called Curricula. Mm-hmm. It's one example, right? But it's it's great training, and they do these simulated phishing attacks. So we purposely wow. fish our own employees on a regular <laughs> basis. That's <laughs> done at I random. I bet they love that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even aware of you know if it's <laughs> if it's real or not, which is part of the, the exercise, right? But it's a way to continuously flex that muscle internally at the company because it's never like like all things. It's never one and done. You never just snap your fingers and yeah, we're secure. Like right. you have to practice. And so, you know, if someone were to click one of these, these, these links and these fake emails, it immediately tells them, hey, you've just been fished. Come on, remember your training. But it's it's still valuable in that moment, right? So yeah. 
And I've been surprised, right? <laughs> we had one not too long ago. It looked like an email coming from Carta, if you're familiar. Yeah. Um, and it basically said, congrats on your your latest stock option grant. Just been approved by the board, ah. signed here. And yeah, it just taps right into that kind of instant gratification center of the brain. And <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people will click that link without really checking to make sure it's, it's legitimate. And, uh, and yeah, that's how... Again, 90% of these breaches are happening. So all it takes is one email, one employee. And uh, yeah, that's again, going back to the original, the original point about baking it into your, your foundation and your culture. It's, that's how important it is for everyone at the company to take ownership in, in security. It's not any one person's job. It's everyone's job. Well, I, I suppose on that point, you know, I know we have, you know, a lot of listeners from startups and I was going to ask you kind of like what advice you would give to startups in particular about becoming SOC 2 compliant. And, but just what you were saying there about it's not one person's job. I was going to ask you who should manage the SOC 2 process <laughs> at like smaller startups. It's a good, good question. And one that's, I think, holds a special place in our hearts because you know, <laughs> one, we're still a startup ourselves, but this, you know, Drata came out of our own personal need as a startup mm. selling into, you know, universities in our case. But, you know, so, so we talked to a lot of startups with hundreds now of startup customers ourselves. And so the advice we, we give is, is, of course, don't wait. <laughs> like I said earlier, yeah. like start soon, right? The, the earlier you do it, the faster, cheaper, and easier to maintain. Definitely leverage automation. You will save hundreds of engineering hours, which, you know, especially as a startup, it's so important to spend those on you know, products and <laughs> other priorities. So I guess the other one would be think long term, right? Like it's, it's very easy to get mm. caught in the trap of, okay, I got to check this box or this big deal isn't going to close. And this big deal is game changing, ex- existential for our startup, right? So there's a way to do it quickly, but one that's going to set you up for the long term. This isn't a pass fail thing. Remember that. So it's a report that you get at the end of the audit and you want it to be a clean, good report, right? Like when you hand someone that report, you want it to put you in a good light. So a lot of that can just get lost in the, uh, especially as a startup, just in the uh, the noise and, and pressure to go get compliant, got to close mm. this deal or this customer is going to churn, right? So again, a way to do it quickly, but one that's going to set you up for long-term success because you have to maintain this moving forward. And what do scaling companies need to know? I suppose they can be quite different challenges yeah, so um, so if you already have a SOC 2 report and you're using spreadsheets or living in spreadsheets and screenshots, then you're already feeling the pain of how unscalable that is. <laughs> and as your company grows, I mean, more employees, more assets, it's more to track. And so this, in this case, in fact, automation actually only becomes more valuable over time as you have more assets under within scope for your audit, right? So. Mm. Even more reason in those cases to leverage automation, put continuous monitoring in place so that you're not retroactively manually collecting evidence. You know in real time where gaps are forming as employees come and go or you spin up, spin down assets automatically. So yeah, a different but very similar use case. I, I suppose there's been bits of this like sprinkled throughout our conversation, but I'd really love to hear like, you know, how Drata helps to simplify like and automate the SOC 2 process for people. Yeah, absolutely. So, Strata, so we, we built it as an end-to-end solution. So it literally can take companies from scratch all the way through audit ready, the audit itself, and then just continuous maintenance going forward with, with automation. Um, and so Strata connects to its customer's tech stack. This is what's unique to continuously monitor controls and then identify an alert when gaps form in real time. And it's going to automatically collect evidence of all of these controls that are then 
pre-mapped across frameworks like SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. So if you're starting from scratch, you could leverage the common control framework within Drata, as well as you know, security policy templates to get your, your foundation set up very quickly. Again, if you start soon, we, we, we've had companies under 50 employees you know, literally starting from scratch that are audit ready in just a matter of weeks. Wow. And so that's, that's, again, it's the power of automation, right? And then Drada also then partners with audit firms that are trained to conduct the audit using Drada in a very streamlined way. So that saves everyone time and then it results in, in lower priced audits. And so it, it's been an especially rewarding journey. Again, it's something coming from our own personal need. And now to have our team especially our customer success team who works with every one of our customers. We have <laughs> former auditors, security professionals on staff to help guide our customers through the journey. So it's not just all software. Obviously, the automation is, yeah. is key. Yeah, no, it, it, it sounds fantastic. And, and just before we wrap up, just to ask you a big question, but what is the future <laughs> of data security? You know, is it always going to be an uphill struggle, do you think? Get my crystal ball out. Uh, <laughs> I think um, so, so. More and more data in the cloud. Obviously, just data security mm. is only ever going to become more important with time. I think you're going to see companies like we're seeing already just do it earlier. Be asked for for compliance attestation certifications more often, and it's just going to be baked right into the the company culture from day one. You know, plenty of professions and industries out there where extra security training is is required, and no one bats an eye because it's just understood. There's very real risks here, and um, same can be said now for, for any software company, you know, holding data in the cloud. So I think we're going to see more continuous monitoring, just a, an inside out real time view that I think companies are going to be more transparent about sharing, not just in these SOC 2 reports, but literally mm. in between reports in real time. The same way we boast about our uptime status. You know, here's our security posture status. And then of course, I don't think I'd be a co-founder CEO at Drata if I didn't think automation was going to be the standard <laughs> method for, for companies maintaining that security compliance posture. So um, It's obviously a really, really exciting time for, for all of you. Um, like, What's next? Do you have any big plans or projects for, well, I was going to say for 2021, we're nearly, we're nearly at the end of 2021, <laughs> but do you have anything kind of big on the way? Yeah, it's amazing how fast the year went by. Um, yeah. we, we launched officially on January 15th this year. So absolutely reached that, that unicorn status very quickly, but um, <laughs> still very much a startup and just getting started. You know, our, our team's going to be tripling in size in 2022. So hiring across the board, I mean, all departments, if there's folks out there listening, interested in automation <laughs> security, right? Like uh, our core values are on our website. And if they, if they resonate with you, with you, we'd love for you to take a look at our careers page and, and love to connect with you. Brilliant. New new year, new job. <laughs> and so this series, you know, it, it's all about hearing how companies kind of scale their growth. But just before we finish up, I'd love to know, you know, was there a key event in your career that kind of helped you scale professionally? Yeah, I mean, we, we learn so much every day and we're just all about continuous iteration and improvement. So just early advice and of surrounding myself with with mentors, advisors, folks who have been there and what we can learn from um, and just being open to that, right? Big part, I think a big kind of step change after after the spatial program ended and uh, I was learning to code and building the, at least the first version of Portfolium, <laughs> I, I was working in, a, in an accelerator program here in San Diego uh, called Evo Nexus. And that was really, I mean, it, it just kicked things into overdrive. Right? It, it put those people around me immediately that I got to learn from. And so it just really helped put pieces in place to, to prepare for everything ahead. <laughs> um, I don't think anything could ever prepare you, but uh, <laughs> it definitely what, helped. 
what is more tense and uh, exciting, the rocket scientist or running a company? <laughs> It's a different kind of rocket, right? <laughs> That's both very intense. <laughs> um, and lastly, just where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? Uh, yeah, please please check out our site, drata.com. Feel free to schedule a live demo with our team. See the product in action. We, we love to, to, to show it. Also on LinkedIn, easy to find and follow. Just search Drata, D-R-A-T-A. And then on Twitter, or just at DrataHQ. Perfect. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Adam Markowitz. If you did, why not let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. We'll be back next week. I do hope you'll join us.